I'm very blessed. Uh, I'm married to a wonderful husband. And I will say this again, what you see here is what you see at home. He is going to be out there. He's a little out there too much sometimes. He tells a little bit too much and I have to go like this. But um, he's a great man of God and I'm very blessed to be married to him. So it's a privilege to be standing here. And the only way I can stand here is that I know Jesus Christ is going to speak through me. If it was me, I'd be like, oh. And I was a little bit at first, like, you know, let it go, Liz. Let it go. Let God have his way today. Well, after being at Women of Joy, I feel like I should be going. Because <laughs> if you go to a Women of Joy conference, everybody's so perky, you know. <laughs> so I'm not that perky, but I'll try to be a little bit perkier. I don't know if I can do that, though. All right, let me get to my point. It's not going to be a long sermon, so you can relax. When I say I'm done, I'm really done. <laughs> and we're going to edit that too, okay? <laughs> when I say this is my last slide, I mean it's my last slide, okay? <laughs> God love his heart. That man, must he studies 20 and 30 hours a week for his sermons. He really, I have to say, he loves the Word of God. And it's been a blessing for me to be around that because I've started experiencing that love, that same kind of love, and I've been blessed through that. We're going to talk about James. <clears throat> when we go out and start our sabbatical, and if you don't know it, we took a three-month sabbatical. We didn't know we were going to take a three-month sabbatical. It just happened one day. Bam, the Lord just... And we had no choices. So when we started our sabbatical, I was in the book of James with Beth Moore. And her daughter, Melissa, who's an amazing historian of the Bible. And I was just soaking it in. And it was just James 1 at first. It's all I needed. And the funny part about it is, Bill was in the same book, James. We're just on different scriptures. That's all it was. So we're going to talk about James. And the whole book can be summed up in two words. Just live it. <laughs> that's three words. Live it. I mean, if you're going to come to church, that's great. But this isn't your relationship with Jesus. Your relationship with Jesus is in that car when that girl just stopped in front of you and I went. And buddy, that girl tracked me down and she said, what is your problem? I was like, oh, I'm so sorry. She said, I mean, she just nailed me. Where's, then I had to stop and say, Lord, I'm so sorry. I got to stop this. I got a bad habit going. You know, like, if you're going to stand there, go, what are you going to do? And boy, he nailed me. That's a relationship. This is not your relationship. This is just to encourage you. Hey, Angie, go out and sing that song again, you know? He's saying to anybody, I want to talk to you every day. And I'm going to keep going back over this and over this. If you're a married couple and you don't talk to each other, you have an abnormal marriage. Maybe easy though. <laughs> but if you're really going to have a close, intimate marriage, you're going to have to do what? You're going to have to talk. Men, you're going to have to talk. Okay? I get my husband on a road trip. Why? I get to talk. And I talk about anything and everything. And I mean, mm hmm, mm hmm. Well, you never told me that before. I said, yes, I did three times. I don't remember it, but I get to just talk and talk and talk. And we get to communicate. It's amazing how he'll start opening up to me. 
and he'll start talking. The best way to get news from your husband is have him talk to someone else in your presence. You'll learn more about your husband than you ever thought. <laughs> I didn't know we decided that. We're going to do that. You, that's how you feel? You never told me. He's just pouring it out on them. So we're going to talk about James and living it, having a real relationship. So what that means is if you're going to have a real relationship, you're going to need a new birth. And new birth has many connotations, doesn't it? So what do we mean by it? We're going to look at it as a new perspective. If I'm in a, a relationship with Bill and I have a new birth in our relationship, does that mean I change husbands? No. It just means we have some kind of new perspective, don't we? So either from someone else's point of view, maybe you walk in someone else's shoes, that's a new perspective. I could say to you, tell me what you see in this church right now. And y'all could all write it down. And my perspective is completely different from your perspective. I'm seeing Santa Claus, but he doesn't have his red on today. I'm seeing a lady in a blue shirt. I'm seeing my print up there. I have a clock, you don't, and I have one down here too. But see, the perspective is completely different from where you're standing. So if you want a new birth, why don't you put your shoes in your spouse's, put your feet in your spouse's shoes. Well, he comes home, he doesn't do anything. Well, why don't you put your shoes, put, put your feet in his shoes. Where has he been all day? You too, because all of you mostly work. Could be in a relationship or situation. So let's delve into this a little bit, okay? Now, a new perspective. I'm going to ask you this question. How does God usually give us a new perspective? I wish I didn't have the answer for you. But usually, I don't say every time, I've never had a new perspective. It's usually through pain, through brokenness, through suffering. You know, that's where you get a new perspective of what's going on in your life. And I think some of you are here. You're going through a lot of pain. And if you're here and you're not going through any pain, rejoice. You know, because most of us, in somewhere in your life, in your family, in your friends, at your work, at school, somewhere there's some pain affecting you. If my mom's hurting, guess what? I'm hurting. You know? So it doesn't mean it happens to me. But if you say, when I pray with you, that pain, you feel it. Now, how can you truly help others if you've not experienced any suffering and you haven't experienced God's amazing grace and mercy? See, that's, and some of you think, I've got to be perfect. I'm a Christian. Got to be perfect. Everybody's got to see me perfect. I didn't do that to that lady. I'm perfect driver, and I always smile, and I always say, you go first. Well, if I never stumble and fall, how can I experience His grace? If you're never sick, how can you be healed? If you never feel pain, how would you know the touch of the Master's hand? So let's talk about this a little bit more, okay? Now I'm going to add a word in there. Both these words are very, very intense feelings. When the Dallas Cowboy wins the Super Bowl again, I'm going to be going, Woo! Go Cowboys! I'm not going to be going, Go Cowboys, that was really good. You played a good game today. No, if I could, I'd be down there going, You rock! You rock! I like how you... You know. Okay? 
if you're not that joy, I, some people can hold it down. I know there's some people that just cannot go cowboys. And that's big. But for me, I would be dancing like I was today, and I thought the whole time my foot's going to kill me when I get home. I know it is, but I don't care. Okay, that anguish is what I want to talk about too. Now look at John 16, 20. I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn over what is going to happen to me. This is before he's going to be taken to death on the cross. You will happen to me, but the world will rejoice. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn to wonderful joy. Not just joy, wonderful joy. The cowboys won the Super Bowl joy. I'm just kidding. Just trying to wake you up a little bit. It will be like a woman suffering the pains of labor. When her child is born, her anguish gives way to joy because she has brought a new baby into the world. So you have joy now, but I will see you again. Then you will rejoice. So you've got joy and suffering in the same verse, right? I think it's two verses, actually. Joy means contentment, cheerfulness, gladness, calmness, delight. So I could put a few more words on there, okay? Yours might be your daughter's name. That might be your joy. Now, anguish is what I want to introduce to you. It's not the word you want to hear, but I want to introduce this a little bit to you. Often used to convey mental distress to crush, press, squeeze, and compress. When we were at the women's conference, Amanda does my slide. She said, you're not going to totally change your sermon now, are you? <laughs> so no, but I want to introduce you. If you weren't there Friday night, oh, this lady was over the top. She was so over the top that I couldn't hardly listen to her. I thought, I'm not going to be able to do this. <laughs> you know, I just, I was like, calm down. And in my mind, I was thinking, I'm not going to get much. And the next thing she said, we're going to talk about food in the Bible. I thought, manna, you know, you know how your mind does. And it's so exciting. And all of a sudden, she started talking about olives. The wine that comes out of olives. Why God chose olives and grapes. We learned something big. I bet none of y'all know this. I thought the pruning shears were... Guess how big the pruning shears are. I'm going to show you. This big. Makes it a little bit different, doesn't it? When you, when you think of God snipping and pruning, you know, and crushing. He's not doing it like this. He's clipping you, you know. It was so good. And then she got to salt. Salt of the earth means a totally different thing to me now. I kind of detoured a little bit. But that was so good about crushing and getting the most beautiful thing out of it. Well, that's what we're going to talk about. Believe me, I'm almost finished. Remember when Pastor Bill talked about know, reckon, and yield? Know it, you believe it, right? Reckon it, and then yield to it, right? Here's my text for today. I've got it in three different translations. I think I do. Yeah, I do. The first one, I think, is King James. My brethren... Count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. When you fall into divers' temptations, it didn't say anybody kicked you. It just happened. 
knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that you may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. NLT says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles come your way, consider it an opportunity for joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. ESV, you want one more? Count it all joy. My brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that when you're, the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, that's evenness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now we're going to talk about those words. Now remember we talked about know, reckon, and yield, okay? James says, consider it, the NLT, consider it, what did it say, consider it all joy? Consider it. Calls us to mental exercise, not an emotion. He did not say, I want you to feel that joy. He didn't say that, did he? He didn't say, woo, my car just got wrecked. I'm so excited. Does that make you happy, Lord? That's not what he said. If you're doing that, you're just about insane. Unless you're going to get a big profit off of it. And you're thinking, boy, I've been waiting for someone to just mow over my truck. <laughs> Some of you would be better, right? I understand that thinking. But he didn't say, feel it. He didn't say, I want you to go out there and kick it up. Flying in the clouds, emotion. He didn't say that. He said, consider it. Count it. Reckon it. There's some joy in this situation that's going to happen. There's joy for me somewhere in this situation. He's telling us to think, reflect, and to esteem pure joys available to us whenever we experience various trials. Okay, so are you with me? Your faith in Jesus, right? Now you're going to reckon it. Okay. God, you're in this situation. You caused me. Let's see, what have I done lately? You let me hurt my foot. Okay? And you wanted me to go to the doctor and I haven't listened. But I'm going to. <laughs> so we're there. We're reckoning it. In our mind. Quit, quit trying to have a feeling. Feelings go and come. I love him. I don't love him. He's a dirty, rotten. Well, you loved him last week. Well, that's a different kind of love. No, it's no different kind of love. Okay, let's talk about this joy and anguish. Consider some things that joy and anguish can do. Now, anguish is right here, okay? They can coexist. They can trade places. And they can morph. Let's talk about them. If you coexist, that means we're together all the time. Joy and anguish coexist in a marriage. I can tell you that right now. If you're together, you've got one of you's joyous sometimes, one of you's going through anguish. It can. It says, 2 Corinthians 7, 4 through 7, I have the highest confidence in you. And I take great pride in you. You have greatly encouraged me. Feel that joy? And made me happy despite all the troubles. Did you hear that? 
When we arrived in Macedonia, there were no rest for us. We faced conflict from every direction, battles on the outside and on the inside. But God, who encourages those who are discouraged, encouraged us by the arrival of Titus. His presence was a joy. So I ask you, have you ever had that experience? Think about it. We lost Sister Fern. And two weeks, three weeks before it, we got a baby of joy, didn't we? You see how God, He brings it the right, perfect time. It can coexist. You can be going through something horrible and your best friend drops by with your favorite muffin. It says, just cry on my shoulder. And she tells you her story of something funny that happened to her. All of a sudden, you're laughing. Trade places. Anguish and joy can trade places. You've heard this so many times, Isaiah 61.3. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give us a crown of beauty for ashes. Wake up. I see people going to sleep. A joyous blessing instead of mourning. I've got to get louder. In the presence, they will be like great oaks. The, the Lord is planted for His glory. <clears throat> you can probably listen with your eyes closed. My mom does that a lot. She takes, she says, I, I'm just resting my eyes. And she is. I never understood it. I don't understand it yet. But she can, she can just rest and wake up so refreshed. Never even gone to sleep. Now let's talk about joy morphing, which means turning into. The source of anguish can turn into our morph of, or morph into joy. John 16, 20. Remember he says, I tell you the truth. You will grieve, but your grief will suddenly turn into wonderful joy. Psalms 30, 11, You have turned my mourning into joyful dancing. So turn means to change. That's different from coexisting. That's different from trading places. Hey, I, I can trade places with Peggy and she can come up here. That means you get to preach and I get to sit. That's, joy can do that, right? It can be right with you, locked hand in hand with you. And it could also just completely change into joy. Three examples I want you to think about. Pain. Pain and anxiety. What's anxiety? Worry. Fears. Stressing out over something. Put those together and you have anguish. Suffering and dread. Oh, I just can't. Oh, I don't want to go to the doctor, but I hurt so bad. But I don't want to go. He's going to... That's what I'm doing. It's anguish. Hurt and harassment. Anguish. So mental anguish can be like the mind in labor. Anybody going to have a baby soon? <gasps> we have one right over here, nine weeks. They're having a boy. And they're so excited. Until she starts feeling that mental anguish. And she grabs him by the neck and says, You! You! <laughs> that mental anguish with that physical anguish... And then all of a sudden, turns to joy, doesn't it? I don't figure it out because people have five and six kids, so it couldn't be that bad. <laughs> Psalms 55 says, listen to my prayer, O God. Do not ignore my cry for help. This is David. 
please listen and answer me for I am overwhelmed by my troubles. Do you, have you been overwhelmed by your troubles? My enemies shout at me, making loud and wicked threats. They bring me trouble on me and angrily hunt me down. I don't see anybody hunting you down with a gun or whatever they had, a spear. My heart pounds in my chest. The terror of death assaults me. You get where he is? Fear and trembling overwhelm me, and I can't stop shaking. That's anguish. And every psalm he'll do that, then he'll say, but I trust in the Lord. But I put my hope in the Lord. I just didn't finish it. So anguish means to turn in a circle, twist, to writhe, travail in childbirth, bear a child. The idea is that of writhing in pain, which is particularly associated with childbirth, also denotes suffering, torment, experiencing anguish or distress. But anguish is usually right here. You're so worried. You're so beat with this worry and fear that you're just in anguish. That's what we're talking about. How do you have joy with that? How can you be like, and have joy? How is she going to have joy? Honey, she knows. As soon as she gets through this, she's going to have the most amazing thing that ever happens to you. And she will do it again. Maybe three times. Four times. Must be amazing joy is all I can say. I didn't have kids on my own. But I have plenty of kids. I just didn't have to physically birth them. Anguish is meant to lead to a birth. Remember we talked about new birth at the very beginning? Okay. Everybody says, oh, well, I want a new birth in Jesus. I want a new birth. I've been praying for it. Well, the car got towed. Well, that's not it. Uh-uh. I want a new birth in Jesus. Yes. You know, your son went to jail. No, that's not it. He, uh, he's going to take care of it. I want a new birth. That's what the new birth is. That is the new birth. That's what leads you to the new birth. So if you kick out the pain in your life, you've just kicked out your whole hope. You've got to let that pain, as pastor says, work with you, not against you. So many times takes your pain. And suffering makes it your passion. My passion is for single women who just can't find their mate. The, the grief... And the hardship of that mental anguish on you. Well, why aren't you married? You're so pretty. Well, I guess there's just something wrong with me. Now, how old are you? I'm 30. 32. 33. 34. But you're so cute. 35. I know. I, I stopped coming to church. I got tired of hearing people say that to me. What's wrong with you? So where's my passion? That girl is sitting there and says, Why hasn't my Prince Charming come? I told her there was no Prince Charming, but keep waiting. I mean, I have that passion. That gives me passion for those people. If you haven't suffered, you don't have any passion. You don't know what it feels like. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness evenness, balance, and let that steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete. 
lacking nothing. That's where we're going to end, okay? See, you got hope. I hate it when he goes fast through those things. Here I am doing it. Remember I did a sermon on the Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. See, lacking nothing doesn't mean I've got food for the week. Okay, I paid my car payment and um, I took care of the grocery. Okay, we got a lot of groceries. Everything's good. I don't need anything. That's not what we're saying. You don't need anything. You see what I'm saying? There's a difference in I have, I've got it all figured out, so we're good. We're good. You don't have to buy me groceries this week, okay? I'm good. My car is okay, Brother Royce. I'm good. <laughs> no, it's, I don't need anything. Is my car payment paid? No. Do I have enough groceries this week? Not sure. I don't need anything. I have what I need. You see, my father is the king of the whole universe. And if I need something, he sends it to me. If I need groceries this week and the paycheck didn't cover it, I paid my tithes because I know somebody else is going to say, Hey, here's your box of groceries. The Lord told me to give it to you. I don't do my bills and then say, Hmm, do I have time for tithes? No. If you want to be blessed, you pay the tithes first. And then you say, God, you help me get my bills paid. Brother, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to step on your toes, Brother Steve. I got all off on his sermon, didn't I? So that's what we're talking about. What must perseverance and endurance do? Remember that makes you steadfast, testing of your faith to help you to grow. You don't want anything. Now, I don't understand that place. I'm a human being. But I know there is a place. And maybe it's going to happen in a twinkling of an eye. But I experience it. Do I live there? I wish I could say I live there, but I don't. But I experienced that. I just don't need anything but you, Lord. You know where I experienced it? Sit stand up there singing that song. When we got to, I'm undone with the mercy of Jesus. I'm undone with the goodness of the Lord. I didn't, I wasn't worried about my car payment then. I wasn't worried about anything and see you think well my troubles they don't have my troubles sweetheart this year has been the year of crushing for my husband and it's we started out this whole sabbatical here in the word crushing that was our word and I thought oh that's not a word I want to hear I want to hear joy <laughs> you know crushing and you know that song new wine in the crushing in the pressing he is making new wine out of us well there's joy I don't want to just be crushed for no reason folks if you're not if you're in a crushing situation raise your pinky like this or you can raise it up I'll raise all my fingers up, okay? If you've got something in your life that's crushing, don't just sit there and let it crush you with anguish, mental anguish. Find the joy in it. And you know how you find the joy? You just give it all back to Him. 
I do this every day. I say, okay, Lord, here they are. This is so-and-so and so-and-so. They're yours. You didn't ask me to carry them. And then there's this situation. You have it. I literally do this. And then I want you to take this. I will pray that you help them, but I am not going to carry them because I was not made to carry all that. He went to the cross to carry your anguish. You do not have to carry it. And some of you are walking around like this, carrying that I'm still holding on. No, let it go. Give it to him. Let him take the anguish. So, it, where are you? Are you coexisting? Joy and anguish? Find that love. Don't try to feel the anguish and uh, feel the joy. Just say, I know there's joy. I know somewhere in this I have joy. Or it can trade places. We could just switch. I could also have all the joy in the, in the morning took my joy. Or you may have to be morphed. It may have to turn in to joy. But no, regardless, if you don't receive some kind of joy, you're missing it. I lost my nephew a year and a half ago to an error. He was 30 years old. To a doctor's error. He was gone. But we had that sweet pain. We knew where he was. He had accomplished everything that he needed to accomplish. He would come to my brother and talk to him and say, I'm good. In his sleep, he said, you don't need to worry about me. I'm good. It was sweet pain. Have you ever had sweet pain? That's joy. Knowing you're in pain, but it's joy. I'm going to be okay. God's got this. I want you to stand to your feet. And before they sing this song, if you need to leave, you're welcome to leave. If you need to go get your kids, whatever you need to do. But I just feel the Lord wants to just reach out to you in a special way. I didn't even read out of my book. I had this cool little excerpt. Oh, well, I'll do it next time. But some of you are in a lot of pain. And you're trying to carry this pain by yourself. You can't carry it. The only way you can receive the joy is to let go and let the Lord in, in the middle of that pain. So right now, I just want you to close your eyes. And if you've got any kind of pain in your life, just tell the Lord, I trust you with my pain. I trust you that there's joy. And the joy is I have you. I don't have to do this alone. I have you, there is my joy. What if I was out there on my own with no Jesus and I had all this anguish? But I have Jesus and grab a hold of him in your mind and I literally take him and just hold him. Let him have your pain. And what I mean by that is let him minister to you in your pain. What is it that he's crushing you with? Quit fighting it. Let him have it. Quit trying to make it better. Trying to put it on the potter's wheel and make it different. Just let go. If anyone needs prayer, you're welcome to come up.
I'll be glad to pray with you. But just let it go. Let's sing that song, New Wine. He's making new wine out of you through the crushing of anguish and joy. In the crushing, in the pressing, you're making soil I now surrender you're breaking new ground so I yield to you and to your careful hand when I trust you I don't need to understand make me your vessel Make me an offering, make me whatever you want me to be. I came here with nothing, but all you have given me, Jesus, bring
Jesus, bring new eyes. 